Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai, 33 years. Wow, what a great day I had yesterday in the operating room. A complicated hip replacement in a very nice woman who years ago had her hip done, 10 years ago, fell in the shower recently, and dislocated her hip, doing great for 10 years, and then tore all the muscles around it. It took her to surgery yesterday to put her back together again and lock it up. It was awesome. She's going to do great. Put her foot around her head. It ain't going to pop out ever again. Then I did a knee implant, bone on bone, crooked leg, couldn't even straighten it all the way. All kinds of tricks that I have in my Bag of tricks, 16,000 surgeries over these 33 years, all at Cedars, my home. And then an older man with a meniscus tear will not get better. Leave it alone, I said, leave it alone. No, it still was painful and swollen. And he had a young man's knee, like a teenager, except for the meniscus tear. What kind of tear do you need to operate on? Well, the pattern of the tear makes a huge difference to me. Not vertical tears, not horizontal tears, but the dreaded diagonal oblique type tear. Those are the ones that will probably not go on to heal. And the last case was an 87-year-old woman. Can you imagine 87 years old? Four years ago? No, eight years ago, actually. I did her other shoulder replacement. And now she said, Dr. Clapper, it's time. You got to do my other one. And to me, I'm like talking to her. She's just beautiful and lovely. Two weeks ago, I operated on a 15-year-old. I'm saying to myself, will you look at yourself? That you could be comfortable in the body of a 15-year-old and also an 87-year-old. Why am I thinking this way? Because tomorrow is my birthday. And I turned 65 years old. I really can't believe it. And I'm not on vacation. I'm not traveling the world, which I've done. I'm here. I'm here talking to you the day before my birthday. Can you imagine? Because I actually can't think of anything better to do that I would love more than to be in the operating room. I scheduled 18 surgeries this week. Busy seeing patients in my office. Yeah, I'm going to have veal parmesan. Yeah, yesterday I had the greatest fried chicken, and I'm going to tell you all about it because it's apropos to today's show. But it's awesome. I never imagined I'd be here 65 years old, certainly on the radio, let alone in the operating room. It's beautiful. And today's topic is something beautiful. But it started off tragically in the sense that I was reading my alumni magazine. I went to medical school at Columbia University where I also went to college. And there was a tiny little mention there of the passing, the death of Dr. William Hamilton. He lived a good life. He was an older man. But it just, those words came out of the magazine and just smacked me in the head. Because I got to spend a day with William Hamilton in the operating room in 1984 as a first-year orthopedic resident. And even though his specialty was foot and ankle surgery, I was in the operating room doing hip surgery on one of his ballerinas from the American Ballet Theater, Suzanne Farrell. Just a beautiful 
dancer for George Balanchine and the ballet company. That's when I met Dr. Hamilton. And I can remember every single moment I was with him, even though we weren't doing a foot and ankle procedure. But he was her doctor, like he was for all the members of the dance company. That was his thing. And he pretty much invented the whole idea of sports medicine for ballet dancers. But just being in his presence made a big impression on me. Well, lo and behold, at Cedar sinai is a foot and ankle surgeon that we love. We use him all the time, Dr. Tim Charlton, who's going to join us at 730 because he did his training with William Hamilton. And I thought all week, how exciting it's going to be to hear from someone who spent a lot of time with William Hamilton, who taught him. And the whole idea of handing down knowledge, we all have to do it and we've all been the recipient, but there's a right way, a wrong way, and then there's the home run way of doing it. And since I love the world of art, the world of sports, and the world of surgery, I want to focus today, which is kind of what this show is for 12 years, every Saturday morning. I'm handing down knowledge to you, the weekend warrior, so that you can go home and tell your friends and your family, hey, don't have a cortisone shot. Dr. Clapper says don't do that. The handing down of knowledge of how your body works from someone who's inside the human body every day for 33 years. More than that, actually, 40 years, but 33 years in my career at Cedars. So where in the world of art in my lifetime do I see an example to illustrate the beauty of handing down knowledge? Well, it comes from this guy. It's a pretty good crowd. That's right. Saturday. Billy Joel. And the manager. The song's from 1973. He knows that From it's his me second album, to see, to dropped out of high school, had to support his mom and his daughter. He was so tired every morning he couldn't go to class, and he didn't want to go to class, but he loved music. And Billy Joel had a music teacher named Chuck Arnold, who saw him cut in class one day, sitting at the piano, and says, what the hell are you doing here? You should be in class. Billy Joel says, I'm not going to class. I'm too tired from working all night. I got to make money to support my family. My dad left the family, went back to Europe. And this man, Chuck Arnold, said, I'm a music teacher. I won't tell on you if you promise me one thing, that you take my class. And he did. Two years ago, they dedicated the music auditorium at Hicksville High School to Chuck Arnold. And guess who came? Came back to thank his music teacher for telling him something that nobody else told him. Billy Joel, you should be a professional musician. Nobody else told Billy Joel that, but Chuck Arnold did. And he came back to this little celebration naming the auditorium after Chuck Arnold. And you're going to hear that sound bite. Because Chuck Arnold made Billy Joel, gave him the confidence. What about in the world of sports? This is an unbelievable story of one of the greatest basketball players. He's so great that in the NBA draft where Michael Jordan was coming out of North Carolina, Michael Jordan is hands down the GOAT, the greatest of all time to play basketball. And guess what? In the NBA draft, Michael Jordan was not picked number one. You know who's picked number one in that draft? This is a great trivia question. Who beat out Michael Jordan in the draft? Who was number one that year? Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon from Nigeria. Didn't start playing basketball till he was 15 years old. He was a soccer goalie. But not only does Hakeem Olajuwon represent all that Will Chamberlain, all that Bill Russell, 
all that Moses Malone could give to him in knowledge and pass it into him. But he modified it. It did the dream shake. His footwork was legendary for a big man. But you're going to hear an interview with Yao Ming talking about he's my teacher. Hakeem Olajuwon passed down that information, that knowledge that he got to the next young center at Houston. But what you're going to realize is when William Hamilton, the orthopedic surgeon, stepped into that operating room with me, I realized he was teaching me and he taught Dr. Charlton more than the subject matter at hand. Chuck Arnold did not teach Billy Joel the music. He taught him more than that. And the same thing for Hakeem and the same thing for Dr. Hamilton. The handing down of knowledge, it has to be packaged properly. I have in front of me one of the greatest foot and ankle lectures. It's called Clinical Symposia. It's from 1985. Surgical Anatomy of the Foot and Ankle by Dr. William Hamilton. Okay, this is a manuscript teaching you anatomy and injuries, pretty much for a surgeon to understand. But here's the first sentence of this manuscript about tremendous detail of tendons and ligaments and muscles and bones and joints. The illustrator Frank Netter, the greatest medical illustrator of all time, but William Hamilton wrote this. Listen to the first sentence. A Chinese fortune cookie reads, If you want to forget your troubles, wear tight shoes. Certainly we take our feet for granted, Dr. Hamilton writes, probably more than any other part of our body. Considering that modern man spends most of his life on concrete or asphalt, that there are 1,700 to 1,800 foot strikes in every mile we walk. We take a million steps a year as a human being. But who would start a manuscript, a technical journal, with a Chinese proverb about tight shoes? That just tells you what a masterful teacher is. They hook you. They engage you. And that's what happened to Billy Joel, Hakeem Olajuwon, me, and Dr. Timothy Charlton. Let's not forget to talk about food. Where do we see that handing down of knowledge? In the case that I'm going to mention, it's from father to son. But the father who started this amazing place for fried chicken gives full credit to his ancestry. The best fried chicken you'll have in Los Angeles is exactly what this topic is. They don't just use spicy sauce to make it snap. This guy manages to use honey and sweeten the spice. It's a genius idea. The batter for the fried chicken, blow your head right off your head. It's so good. And I'll tell you where that is coming up. And don't forget Clapper Vision. Numbers 877-710-ESPN. We're going to talk about Mike Trout. Mike Trout is out again. First it was back spasm, and now it's his left rib. What's a clapper vision for your rib cage? Well, my father was a carpenter. He knew what a 2x4 was. He taught me what a 2x4 was because it was 2 inches by 4 inches, and it was a wooden stud. Now they don't even make them out of wood. But the framing of a house with two-by-fours is the clapper vision for your rib cage. The sheetrock, the drywall, the paint on the outside, the stucco, those are your muscles and skin that drape the framing of the house. Two-by-fours, that's your rib cage. You bust your two-by-four inside the wall, you better worry that the wall of the house could start to come down. That is a painful injury, Mike Trout. That's the clapper vision for my favorite baseball player in Los Angeles. 
He's Mickey Mantle and reincarnated. Get better soon, Mike Trout. Coming up next, you got to hear what a teacher does to a man in the music business. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Killies. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors, playing Billy Joel, because Billy Joel represents a man like all of us, taught by someone else, handed down knowledge, but two years ago, when it came time, he's 73 years old now. Two years ago, he's 71 years old. But he hears that his teacher was being celebrated at his high school, naming a building after him, an auditorium after him. Billy Joel came back to the high school that he dropped out of to say thank you. To thank you to the teacher that he had for handing down the knowledge. Listen to this story from Billy Joel. Good evening. This is very cool. It's for the, co- the coolest teacher there ever was. Uh, I first met Chuck Arnold uh, when I was here at Hicksville High School. Cutting class. Uh, there was a nice Baldwin grand piano that I loved to play because the piano I had at home was a piece of junk. And um, I would cut class and play the piano. And from time to time, uh, one of the staff or a janitor would pop in and say, uh, are you supposed to be here? I said, yes, yes, I'm, I'm here to rehearse this piece that I've learned. Uh, not really. And I'm just going at it, and I just feel like there's a shadow (laughs) standing over me. That's right. And it's Chuck Arnold. Mm -hmm. He's looking at me, and he's going, you don't really know that piece, do you? (laughs) So I said, no, I don't. Uh, Where are you supposed to be? Because I was cutting class, obviously. (laughs) And I was in some math thing. I don't remember what it was. It was geometry, trigonometry, colonoscopy, lobotomy. <laughs> He's got no respect for other subjects but music. But he's lost. He doesn't know anything about music, but he thinks that's what he loves the most. One of those classes, and, and uh, I said, but I, I, I don't like the class and I'm not going to go. So he goes... Okay, I understand, but I want you to uh, to do something for me. I said, I said, what? I want you to do something for me. Please don't report me to the principal. For you know, I'm obviously cutting a class, and I then I explained the whole rigmarole, lobotomy, geometry. He goes, okay, I, I get it, uh, but I want you to join my music history class. So I went, deal. Okay, great. And this changes his life. Uh, and I joined the, his music history class, and it was really the best class that I'd ever had. Wow. It really was. Um, one of the first things we did was we took a field trip to the Cloisters on Upper Manhattan and Fort Tryon Park, and I discovered a part of New York City I never knew anything about, and it was, it was wonderful. It was like going to Europe. It was, it was fantastic, and it's, it's, I still go there from time to time. I, Bring whatever wife I'm with at the time. <laughs> but the musical history class is what he took. And, uh, but I did try to go to music history because it wasn't just about music or history. It was about the sweep of humanity. I mean, it was so interesting to learn about the, you know, why Beethoven's music was resonated so much during the Napoleonic era. I mean, this is great stuff. Real, real humanity passing you know uh through through your head and understanding why music was so important in history did you hear what he said it was amazing because it was called music history but it was more than music history 
because of the teacher. I, I was given uh, an assignment uh, to, to hand in before the end of the, the term. I was supposed to graduate in 67. So this is uh, the year I'm supposed to write this essay. And Chuck picked the composer for, for me to write about. It was Richard Wagner, who was never one of my faves. He was, he was pretty good. But uh, I would have liked Beethoven and Mozart. It would have been easier. But I had to listen to a lot of Wagner. And I basically summarized uh, my opinion of Richard Wagner uh, in the essay that I handed it, which was essentially, his music is a lot better than it sounds, mm. which is a direct steal from Mark Twain. <laughs> but, he, but Chuck also said to me, um, you should really consider being a musician as a career. Wow. Now, no adult had ever said that to me in my life. Everyone who I knew would say, you're going to be a musician, you're going to die. You're going to be a drug addict, you're going to starve, you're never going to make any money. Nobody makes it as a musician, and don't do it. And Chuck said, you should consider being a professional musician. Now, that stuck with me, and I never forget it, and I never was able to shake it off, you know. Uh, it was, it was, there was, these are words to live by, and I did live by them. And I, I will forever be grateful to him because I, it's not like I picked music. Music picked me. I, he just made me recognize that. So I want to thank you for that. Till he comes back to thank his teacher, the great Billy Joel. What about in the world of sports, the handing down of knowledge? Nobody did it better. This is Michael Jordan talking about Hakeem Olajuwon. Olajuwon, he was in the top 10 in five categories. Steals, rebounds, block shots, scoring, and shooting percentage. You know, I mean, to have a big guy of his size to be in the top 10 in steals. Now, you can assume that he would be in blocks, which to me shows versatility of what type of guy he really was. And it was his footwork. He changed the game. The way that... Uh... The city have embraced me from college from the beginning up to, to, to this day. I mean, you know, you cannot have a better position. You know, I don't see it how. And so Houston for me is, uh, you know, that's home. Like they're in trouble. Still loyal to the Rockets in retirement, Hakeem helped continue the tradition of dominant Houston big men. Hakeem Olajuwon feels so indebted to all that happened to him. Went to college at University of Houston and stayed there for his career to play basketball. Well, while he's there, so grateful to all that was given to him for Moses Malone teaching him the game at the NBA level. But then he then hands down that knowledge to the next center in line, Yao Ming. Moses passed the torch to Hakeem and now Akeem is, is sharing some of his wisdom and his experience to Yao, and I think it's wonderful. He can, he can make a huge difference for little things. Doing little things can make a big difference. I think the same thing that uh, I was taught to understand from the beginning, you know, the concept to let him know, this is your territory. Actually, today is a very good lesson for me. You know, I learned a lot of experience from Jim. I think for the young player, you know, not many people get this chance. And while Yao may be the current center of attention in Houston, Elijah Wan's accomplishments have earned him a permanent spot in the fans' hearts and in the annals of NBA history. Handing down knowledge. But Akeem did things that I don't think any other big man had ever done. And those were things that I, a conversation a couple years later, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, talked to him about and told him that you know they were proud of the way you know he had sort of advanced the position the green shape at its perfection what Akeem has left us with is dignity and the way that he handled himself and he became a champion but he did it the right way doing it the right way with dignity with class you heard Billy Joel say he he taught that music history class, but it was more than music and it was more than history. 
when you hand down the knowledge and you do it at the highest level, there's something extra that the teacher is doing that's hooking you. The dignity, the class, the respect for the subject, the respect for you, the student. And if you've been blessed to have someone like that in your life, you can't help but want to carry on that tradition. I've had many teachers in my life. Dr. Ranawat, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know, he taught me. I teach young orthopedic surgeons because I can't say thank you enough to Dr. Ranawat. The class, the dignity, the intensity. If you're lucky to have had that, you want to do it to someone else. And for me, I spent a day, just a single day, with Dr. William Hamilton. And in that day, I saw what an ultimate teacher is like with dignity and class. But coming up next, we got someone who spent more than just a day and has modeled his career to be a teacher and he learned it from one of the greatest teachers in his life. We'll be talking to the great Dr. Tim Charlton about the legacy of Dr. William Hamilton. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show. Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's the most entertaining thing in the world. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. From schwitzing like a piece of tuna fish. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Why is Wilbert playing Leningrad? Because the choral arrangement... The singers in the background being led by his music teacher, Chuck Arnold. In 1989, Billy Joel came back 20 years later to ask his music teacher to help him on that song. Teaching, handing down knowledge. It's so important, but it's also great when you see it done right. Right now, we're joined by one of my favorite foot and ankle surgeons in L.A., the great Dr. Tim Charlton. Tim, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Uh, good morning. Great to be here. So, listen to this soundbite of Billy Joel talking about his music teacher. And I want you to tell me, when he says it was more than the topic, as a teacher, he hooked me because he was able to convey more than the subject he was supposed to be teaching. And uh, but I did try to go to music history because it wasn't just about music or history. It was about the sweep of humanity. I mean, it was so interesting to learn about the, you know, why Beethoven's music was resonated so much during the Napoleonic era. I mean, this is great stuff, real, real humanity passing, you know, uh, through, through your head and understanding why music was so important in history. The sweep of humanity. William Hamilton, your teacher, begins an essay called Surgical Anatomy of the Foot and Ankle. Talk about sweep of humanity with this sentence. A Chinese fortune cookie reads, if you want to forget your troubles, wear tight shoes. Certainly we take our feet for granted. How could you start a manuscript about surgical anatomy of the foot and ankle with a Chinese proverb. Nobody else does that. But William Hamilton did, and he was your teacher. Dr. Charlton, tell us what it was like to be around a great teacher. Well, it's funny because you mentioned that Frank Netter uh, book, and Frank Netter in our world was sort of the Picasso or the Rembrandt of medical pictures. Every medical student had that book, so... It was like Picasso asked Mozart to do a piece. Uh, It was watching a master on so many levels, like Mm. that music teacher that Billy Joel said. Mm. Uh, You were just seeing not just the foot, not just orthopedics. It was sort of more of a 
dynamic and a philosophy of life. It was an extraordinary experience. I spent a day with him. He's not even my fellowship director. I'm not doing foot and ankle exclusively like you do. I see it as a general orthopedic surgeon, but somehow, some way, that day that I spent with him, the very fact that he came to the hip surgery for one of his ballerinas meant, man, this guy really cares about her. And to be there all day to see exactly what was happening. And he's not standing to his side. He's scrubbing into the hip surgery, which he's not doing. It was. It told yeah. me so much about him. So take us through. Tell us about Bill Hamilton. What was he really like? Well, he he was an amazing guy. He was tall. I'm I'm pretty tall. I'm six two. He was probably six three, six four. A big, big guy. Uh, he played self-described bad football at Princeton, uh, fancy school. But he was from Louisiana, Baton Rouge. So he was he was this sort of walking paradox in the fact that he was sort of this. He could tap into his country doctor element and then he could tap into his Ivy League element mm. depending on the situation so um, but he was uh, what was really sort of in the 80s 90s and, and early 2000s he was sort of the go-to doctor uh, for sports every any any person who had an injury uh, athlete would be on the short list on a, on a plane to New York and be on his clinic the next day but his his passion was uh, dance medicine. He sort of founded dance medicine. Um, right down the street in Midtown Manhattan was the American Ballet Theater and New York City Ballet, two of the you know the Yankees and the Dodgers equivalent uh, of of teams for dance. And he just happened to meet George Balanchine, and they became fast friends. And he started doing orthopedics for dance, and the next thing you know, he's the dance medicine guru. Um, and he was really committed to all of these dancers like they were, I mean, they were his friends for sure. So it's not surprising to hear that he just scrubbed in on a hip replacement uh, for his friend. That would be very common, you know, that's what he, who he was. In the manuscript, again, high-tech stuff. But listen, and I just want your opinion of how he is spinning your wheels in your head to get a point across. Evolution and embryology. During the course of evolution, the grasping monkey-like foot of our ancestors completely changed to allow an upright posture and habitual bipedalism. The human foot differs from that of other primates in three basic ways. One, the human foot has both longitudinal and transverse arches. Two, the human foot is a rigid structure with strong ligamentous support. And three, it has lost its role as a grasping organ. Many people, however, have foot types that revert back to the simian or prehensile foot with loss of the arches, hypermobility, and medial deviation and flexibility of the first ray to grasp. Oh, my God. He's not just telling you this is a club foot. This is a fusion. This, or all the different. You lost your arches. Charcot foot, a higher. He's going back to being a monkey. He's taking you through evolution. So the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. He's seeing deeper than any other teacher you're going to ever have when he's explaining to you the pathology of Sylvia Weinberg and her bunion. Well, it, it's funny. You quote Ron Watt saying, the eyes, see what the, the eyes don't see what the mind does not know. And Ron Watt might have been quoting Bill Hamilton, so we're going to have to figure out who said that first. <laughs> which is... Very funny, but uh, so you're taking all of this complex stuff and the fact that we were at some point monkeys and fish and whales and things like that, 
back in our day. And it's pretty complex, and not everyone really has the interest or capacity to learn that stuff. So if they were not of, you know, that interest, he would just say, well, the Will Rogers School of Genetics, you plant a potato, you get a potato. <laughs> Let me tell you, firsthand, you know, now you're an elder statesman, Dr. Tim Charlton, and, and one of the best teachers we have at Cedars. What? What was it like to watch him teach and coach? Well, it, it, he was very much like the the late John Wooden. Um, I mean, he really sort of had all of those virtues, all of that real sort of penetrating legacy of teachers teaching. Mm. And you hear coaches now talking about wisdoms of John Wooden and passing them down to students, very much like Olajuwon passing down a Yao Ming. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a teacher to Olajuwon who taught him that mm-hmm. and someone who was real important in his life. And and he was the John Wooden of certainly a foot and ankle, but, I mean, even if he's, he's teaching Ranawat that word, who, who knows who said it first, but still the point being is that, like, John Wooden's words came out. Mm. Um and it was it, the thing that was really fascinating of spending a fair amount of time with him. I spent uh, a lot of time in my training. Was my experience was sort of a be seen and not heard um, type of uh, working relationship. So I wasn't really talking, but it gave me the opportunity to listen mm. and to see him talk to patients and see which words were gonna penetrate which words were going to work hmm. and he would essentially run plays hmm. he would he would be you know if he had a patient who could handle technical stuff he'd give him technical stuff hmm. if he had a patient who could handle sort of basic stuff and and didn't want the technical he would switch gears and drop into his his country doctor mode and it was just wonderful to see which chess moves he was going to use because after a little while, you knew his set of plays. Mm. And then you would see the patient like, playing the defense, reading the defense. You're like, oh, here's, here's, here's play X. And he would play, play X, and it would work. And you go, yep, that's why he's the master. Do you find yourself doing that with your fellows and residents that you're teaching? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah trying, to, trying to distill the essences of the philosophy of the spirit of the ethos of just sort of, you know, listening, a, a lot of listening mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of not, not speaking. And, you know, the more, the less we speak, the more we, we learn. Um, and sitting with patients and, and trying to hear what they're saying and seeing what they're saying, because sometimes it's, it's not even related to their foot. Maybe they're like, wow, I'm really stressed out because my wife is sick or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I might lose my job or this injury is really going to have impact at work and I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that. And that's all. I would love to say it's me, but it's not. It's Bill. Well, I interviewed Tony Gonzalez, the great Hall of Fame tight end once, and I asked him, as you're running down the field for the Kansas City Chiefs, Tony, Whose voice do you hear in your head? Do you hear the Kansas City Chief coach, Andy Reid? Do you hear your college coach? Do you hear your high? Whose voice do you hear when you're running down the field? And he said, I hear my high school coach. I go back to the very first time someone told me what to do and stays with you. And I got to tell you, yesterday in the operating room, doing my hip surgery, using the Steinman pin right millimeters from the sciatic nerve to perfectly measure leg lengths in this case, wiping the femoral neck with bone wax so it doesn't bleed. Every time I do these moves where I do them because I was taught that by my teachers, particularly Ranawat, it's this warm, fuzzy feeling that you get when you connect to where the beginning was and where you were in the beginning 16,000 surgeries later, I still go back to that. Do you find yourself hearing and feeling William Hamilton in your head all these years later? Oh, it's, it's definitely a voice. It's, it's so much a voice that you, it, until you 
pause and sit back, you don't realize that it's really become part of you. Mm. Um, wow. it, for example, the, the phrase, I, I mean, I probably say, you know, several times in the operating room, hug bone, don't cut anything round. <laughs> so in this case, for surgery, you just sort of hug on the, stay on the bone, and you don't cut the tendon and the artery and the nerves, and you'll be good. Mm. And um, it's sort of that little pep talk you need before you're doing complex surgery in dangerous areas. Yep. You just say, well, hug bone, don't cut anything around. And I say it to myself. My fellows and residents say it to me and to themselves. And that all is Bill, and I don't even realize it's Bill until I think about it and stop to think about it. Let me tell you something. We're blessed to have you running around, taking care of us. We're blessed that Bill Hamilton was able to teach you. And nobody really exemplifies the idea of handing down knowledge better than you. And Bill Hamilton, for me, when I saw that he passed away... I just felt like I have to somehow memorialize this guy because nobody celebrates teachers enough in our society. And to me, that's the ultimate thing you can do with your life. So thanks, Tim, for making time to get up early to be with us. I really appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure, and, it, and it's it is so wonderful to talk about uh, someone so great. His legacy, his words are infamous and and his memory is lasting for sure. A life well lived. I, I wish everyone listening that they, uh, they approach their, their world in that same way. God bless you. And have fun at Handel's ice cream today with your kids after you play tennis. God bless you, Tim Charlton. <laughs> Likewise. I love Handel. <laughs> All right. That's the great Timothy Charlton, one of the best foot and ankle surgeons in this city at, at Cedar sinai operating alongside me in a different room every Friday. I love it. All right, Warriors, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1, all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? <laughs> Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. An uptown girl, Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Thanking his own music teacher, Chuck Arnold, who I think is 90 years old now. Going back to Hicksville High School to say thank you for giving me the motivation, believing in me, and teaching me music history all those years later. It's an awesome story. And we'll get into exactly how the NBA feels about Hakeem Olajuwon, the ultimate teacher of the big man in the paint and footwork. Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon. Let's take some calls, though. Let's go to John. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Hey, good morning, Dr. Clapper. Hope you're doing well down there. I am. How are uh, you, young man? How you, How old are you? What do you do for a living? I'm 70 years young, and I'm a retired pharmaceutical sales rep. Oh, wow. Where'd you grow up? What'd your father do for a living? I grew up in the city of Orange. My dad worked as an aerospace engineer in uh, Orange County. Did he work on top-secret stuff that he wasn't allowed to tell you about, or did you know what your dad was doing? No, I knew what he was doing. He worked for a lot of the NASA projects, uh, Bell wow. Helicopter Equipment for, uh, you know, the war over on the other side of the pond that was going on. Did you ever go to Cape Canaveral or... Houston with him? Uh, no, sir. I never went to uh, Cape Canaveral. Never went anywhere with him other than the Dodger games. Wow. All right, what's up? How can I help you, John? So my wife, uh, about a month ago, uh, lost the use of her left leg. Mm -hmm. uh, she had knee uh, shaving and uh, 
uh, vein stripping in 2004 in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the primary care physician, she's also had a brain tumor and acoustic neuroma mm. and uh, went through five weeks of radiation therapy for that, mm. about two years post-radiation therapy. Uh, she had a stroke from radiation necrosis. Oh, boy. Uh, we don't know what's going on in the leg. Primary physician, primary doctor wrote her a referral to Cedar sinai uh, Neurology Department. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting three weeks for that appointment to be scheduled. In the meantime, uh, we've suspected there may be something going on vascular in that leg, mm. uh, and we can't get into a vascular surgeon. So, Where do you live? Uh, you have an orthopedic experience. I thought maybe you might be able to shed some light on you know, what you think or may be going on. Uh, we've got an MRI scheduled for her leg uh, on the 29th. So mm-hmm. we don't have that MRI back yet. They did an MRI on her brain, ruled out a second stroke, and they also ruled out a blood clot. Hmm. That's important. Um you know, building a house is a clap revision for you. You need the drywall, but that has to go on the two-by-fours, the framing. To turn the lights on, you need wires. That's the electricity. That's the nerves. That's the, you know, the neurology, if you will. You need the plumbing. Yeah. Well, that's the pipes. That's the vascular part of it. It's the exact same thing, building a house and how our body is put together. So when your leg doesn't move and you can't walk and you have a history of brain issues, yeah, you need a new MRI, CAT scan, to make sure that it's not starting from the, the top, if you will. But then you work your way down. Exactly right. Are the wires themselves abnormal? Nerve conduction, EMG. These are studies that a neurologist will do. You want to make sure circulation's okay. But I will tell you this. You would be seeing... A black foot. You'd be seeing necrosis if it was that dramatic of a vascular thing keeping your wife from walking. Um, so with the history you're describing, I love that the, the brain study is nothing new. That's fantastic. But I, I think the biggest bang for your buck will be to have a neurologist trying to figure out the peripheral nerves and what has happened to them. Surgery is the last thing that I would be thinking about. But you really need to go to the source and figure out what is exactly the diagnosis. Is it the nerve which feeds the muscle? Ultimately, if you listen to the show, you know what a big fan I am of walking in the pool and doing therapy in the water because the buoyancy, the resistance on the muscle, and the fact that water is touching your skin, not air, for proprioception. But I think the next visit should be with a neurologist from what you're just describing, and I think you're on the right track. Getting a sooner appointment, that's a whole other story. That's the challenge of our broken medical system, but that's going to be the right thing for you to do. And in the end, the gatekeeper is the primary care doctor. So I would on Monday bang on them to say, listen, you got to do us a favor and you got to get us in sooner. Uh, sometimes worst comes uh, scenario, go to the emergency room. But it's not really the use for an emergency room for your wife right now. You just need to figure out how to get into the neurologist office that much sooner. So I, that's my best advice for you. And thanks so much for calling, John. I appreciate it. All right, we can take one more. Let's go to Marty. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Dr. Clapper, this is Marty from Sacramento. I'm one of your most loyal listeners. Been listening to you since about June of 2011. <laughs> Thank you. I've called the show a few times. Oh, wow. Uh, I've, missed maybe, I've missed maybe a dozen shows in all those times. That time, but I'm calling for a very good friend of mine. What's your and favorite way, story all these Dr. years? Tito What's... Rocky Clapper, a happy birthday. Thank you. What's your favorite story all these million years you've been listening Oh, I've got dozens of them. I think I've even told you this one before I tell my friends. It was the one when you uh, had to take the chemistry class, and you you basically sat in the class, and you weren't even a student. And at the end of the class, you bought the book of the smartest guy in the class, and then you aced the test. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah, Thank a, you very much. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me ask you about, let me ask you about my friend. Uh, 
Um, I'm from Riverside, which is next to the Santa Ana River, and so mm-hmm. is my buddy, but we both live up here in Sacramento. He's, his name is Chris Davis. He's about 67, 68 years old. He's about 6'5", 280 pounds. Wow. His knees are thrashed, especially his left one, and, he, and I've been encouraging him to get an MRI so he and I could call you, but that hasn't happened yet. But his doctors have told him they can't operate on him because of the blood clot issues, and I wanted to see what you thought about that. So there is a very elegant way to get around the problem of a blood clot, and he may not need an MRI. If your x-ray shows bone on bone, it's a waste of money and a waste of time to get an MRI. You don't need it, and I suspect that's probably what's going on. So having a plain x-ray and a good exam, you can have him call my office, tell Arnie I said it's okay, and he don't have to wait three months. He can come see me. Because he probably doesn't need an MRI. But the elegant next chess move for your friend would be to have a vascular surgeon. It's not an operation anymore. You literally have the interventional radiologist under x-ray guidance. They pass, kind of like a toothpick going inside a McDonald's straw. They pass a catheter in the vein, like a toothpick in the straw, and then it can become like an umbrella, right? An umbrella collapses, and now you press a button and the umbrella opens up. Well, it's a filter that you can put in the inferior vena cava so that if you do have a history of blood clots, you can have knee surgery and not worry that you're going to die from a blood clot because you got to filter an umbrella in the vein so it can't propagate up into the lungs. So that that's how you get around that problem. And there are many patients that I've done knee and hip and lower extremity surgery on who've had a history of a blood clot where you are worried it could kill them and you're able to operate on them because a filter was put in by a vascular surgeon. So that's my best advice for your friend. And do not let them inject cortisone, Synvis, oh, stem cells, none of that crap. Don't let them stick any needles in there. Have him take some weight off if he can. Have him walk in the pool, and it'll be my pleasure to help him if he needs help. You know, if he need, if he can't find someone to help him, I'll be happy to help. All right? Okay. Well, I, I did call and talk to Arnie uh, a couple months ago Good. just to get a general idea of how much how much a, an appointment would cost, and if he and I'm trying to get him to check with his medical plan to he's see. He's 68 years old. Have him get his Medicare back and get out of the stupid HMO he's in. That's what I would tell you. More great advice. Thank you, Doc. I love you, man. All right, Marty. God, God bless you. Thank you. Listen, find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. God bless you, Marty. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. I'm going to tell some stories. Our guest came on at 730, so we got a whole hour to chop it up. Clapper vision, food, storytelling, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. 